Welcome to In Social Work, the podcast series of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work at www.insocialwork.org. We're glad you could join us today. The purpose of In Social Work is to engage practitioners and researchers in lifelong learning and to promote research to practice and practice to research. We educate, we connect, we care. We're In Social Work. Hello, my name is Charles Sims, and welcome to In Social Work. Anyone working with the disruptive behaviors of a challenging adolescent understands just how difficult that work can be. Noncompliance, verbal and physical aggression, running away, illegal substance use and or criminal activity represent some of the problematic behaviors that may require the intervention of a professional social worker. Often, these behaviors are present in more environments than just the home or the school. In these situations, traditional office-based treatment may not be enough. Multisystemic therapy, often referred to as simply MST, is an intensive intervention that works with the adolescent and their family while also engaging other important systems in the child's life, such as school and community. Stephen Halliday, Ph.D., is a licensed master social worker and multi-systemic therapy therapist for Catholic Charities of Buffalo, New York. Prior to becoming a social worker, he completed a doctorate in philosophy at the University at Buffalo with a research focus on questions of human identity and diversity and the philosophy of race. Dr. Halliday taught at the university level for over a decade. His teaching experiences include courses on theory and application of ethics and justice, human identity and diversity, philosophy of science and the philosophy of history, and world civilizations. In 2013, Dr. Halliday left full-time academia to pursue a Master's of Social Work degree. In addition to his current role as a MST therapist, he is also a part-time instructor with the online MSW program at Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania. Erin DeWolf is a licensed clinical social worker who received her Master's of Social Work from the University at Buffalo. She began working at Catholic Charities in Niagara Falls, New York as a multi-systemic therapy therapist in 2004. In 2008, she was promoted to supervisor for a new juvenile justice substance abuse MST team in Erie County, New York. She has been in this position for the past eight years. Jessica Banzar is a licensed mental health counselor. She received her master's in clinical mental health counseling from Canisius College, Buffalo, New York, and is currently a candidate for a doctorate in clinical psychology. She has been employed for the past three and a half years by Catholic Charities of Western New York, where she works as a social worker three. In this podcast, our guests discuss what multisystemic therapy is and how its ecological foundation informs and directs its application. They describe how clinical flexibility and creativity are essential elements to the delivery of the evidence-based intervention, with a goal to develop a family-driven service plan whose successes will be sustained after service delivery is completed. 
our guest emphasized the importance of supervision and its role in therapist self-care and professional development. Finally, the discussion also examines how multisystemic therapy embodies the key principles of trauma-informed care. Dr. Halliday, Ms. DeWolf, and Ms. Banzar were interviewed in May of 2016 by Julie Hesselbeck, a recent graduate from the MSW program at the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Hello, this is Julie Hasselbeck here with Stephen Halliday, Aaron DeWolf, and Jess Bonzar, and we're going to be discussing multisystemic therapy. What is multisystemic therapy? Well, multisystemic therapy, also known as MST, it's a model that we all is an international model. We have teams in various countries as well as throughout the United States. The specific agency that we work at is Catholic Charities, and we serve families in Erie County, Niagara County, Cattaraugus County, and Allegheny County. Families are referred to us through Department of Social Services, or DSS. All of the families have at-risk youth between 12 and 17. What we're looking to do is prevent the youth from being placed outside of the home and or informal probation. Usually, our families come to us because there is behaviors in two out of the three environments, environments including school, home, and the community. Some of these behaviors that we see are aggression, non-compliance, truancy, leaving without permission, use of illegal substances, and we are structured in the fact that we see our families two to three times per week from 60 to 90 minutes per session. And we come into the home. We have very flexible, non-traditional hours. So we can meet anywhere as early as six, seven in the morning to you know as late as I've had clients at nine at night. And we can meet families wherever they're at. We do have to be in the home one time a week at least. And then we can meet the families if they have a doctor's appointment, we can meet in the waiting room and have our sessions there. So we do have a very flexible schedule as far as where we can meet and times that we can meet. Just to add to the therapist's non-traditional hours, we also, as an advantage or a perk to the therapist, we have comp time, which is if you got everything you needed done, you're 35 hours in, you can look at taking possibly an early day on Friday or taking a day off in the middle of the week and just comping those hours. So if you work from 8 in the morning till 8.30 at night, then you can look at coming in later the next day. So that's really definitely an incentive for the therapist as well as we also have four weeks paid vacation. So looking into that self-care, that time is really encouraged by your supervisor and all your team members. You're constantly prompted to take that time because they want you to take advantage and be able to be effective with your clients is really taking care of yourself. And this is Steve, you should probably add that that's how we do things at Catholic Charities. That's how it's structured here at our agency. I'm sure other agencies have their own sort of policies and so forth, but that's one of the nice things about the model and the whatever it takes and the flexibility is that there are lots of ways for other agencies who do MST to really figure out what's going to work for their staff and for their therapists and their teams to really build in that support. So there are a lot of opportunities there at the agency level for that creativity and, and figuring out how to best support their therapists. 
So we also, as far as supervision goes, we get a lot of it. We do meet with our team, our colleagues, and our supervisor and our consultant one time per week to review cases and get feedback. We also, one time a month, we do see our supervisor to go over clinical strengths and needs so we can take next steps to develop our clinical development plan. You mentioned our consultation, so part of how MST is structured as a, a national and international model is that we meet for group clinical supervision every week and we also have an hour-long phone consultation with an MST expert who has gone through the ranks of therapist and supervisor and really shown an excellent understanding of the model and they help with the quality assurance with helping to make sure that we stay on task and that we're adhering to the model and also to provide another set of eyes and supervision for thinking about how to design interventions that will be most effective for the family. I also did want to mention we it is a multi-systemic approach, so we collaborate with all key participants. We're meeting or contacting to get multiple perspectives from different family members as far as aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, schools, if probation is already involved. So I just wanted to mention that it is definitely we're getting lots of perspectives to help change the behaviors. Great, thank you. So it sounds like you're not just looking at an individual in an office outside of their world, but you're understanding that individual in the world that they're in and the systems that impact them and collaborating with each of them. Right, and the client is the entire ecology wrapped around the youth. So it's not only we're going in and trying to focus and meet with just that individual, that youth. We're meeting with the parents because generally they're the ones that can make the most change. Right, so it sounds like it's embodying what social work is and understanding person and environment. That's amazing. Can you help me better understand how is success measured within multisystemic therapy? This is Erin. Really, success is measured by a lot of different ways. MST is an evidence-based practice, and really what that means is there has to be a lot of processes in place to make sure that the family is receiving the best quality of service that they can get. Some of the different practices that MST has is monthly supervision for clinicians who need to build their clinical skills. A few pieces of that is audio tapes. Therapists are to tape a minimum once a month for feedback brought into supervision, as well as a therapist adherence measure, which really measures the quality of the work that the family is getting. The family completes the questionnaire over the phone, and that information is then filtered through the supervisor to better enhance the supervision that the therapist is getting. One thing that we do as well is we take everybody, meaning every key participant within the ecology, we get their perspective to develop goals for the families and children that we work with. We get parents' perspectives, the child that we're working with, family members' perspectives, you know, younger siblings, aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, stakeholders within the community, schools, probation, peers, etc. We get everybody's perspectives to really define the goals because we really see that the ecology is what helps support long-lasting results. This is Jessica. What we also do after treatment is terminated, at six months and one year, we do a follow-up with families to check in that the youth still remains at home and school and still successful within the community. So you're not just doing a guess and check. You're ensuring that the work that's being done is being effective. And sustainable. That's amazing. Thank you. How has having MST in Catholic Charities had an impact on the agency? 
Well, really, the overall mission and vision for Catholic Charities, there's a few themes within that. One being that it serves multiple counties. I mean, that really is is part of the mission and vision for Catholic Charities, as well as really advocating for those in need, those persons that are poor and vulnerable. And really, another mission is to be the leader of providing very effective quality services to clients. And I think the piece of MST being evidence-based really ensures that that is accurately happening. One piece of doing that is empowering parents to take the lead in supporting their children to be successful in achieving and maintaining meaningful and healthy productive lives. What research shows is that parents should be in the lead of providing these interventions because what happens is we receive a referral for a child who is maybe 14 years old. We want to make sure that the families are in the lead of providing interventions and services to their children so that when our services are done that these interventions and these things that have worked really sustain over time as Jess was mentioning. So really the goal from the beginning is to keep the parents in the lead of doing every single intervention as far as contacting people within schools, you know, doing behavioral interventions, things like that. We really want to make sure that that happens. And I think because we're advocating that that happens, it it really shows that we really support the agency's mission and vision around empowerment. How has bringing an evidence-based practice model impacted how Catholic Charities serves this population and the community in Western New York? I think in this case, I mean, we do work, as, as Jess reviewed, in different counties in western New York. Really, over the past 10 to 15 years, the counties have been moving into a quality assurance atmosphere with incorporating evidence-based practices such as MST, making sure that people are receiving, again, the, the quality of services. MST is already set up to be ready for that kind of change with all of the different movements and shifts and really being cutting edge around continuing to develop and change based on what different populations are requiring. What impact has multisystemic therapy had on social workers in the agency in the direct service provider, supervisor, and administrative levels? I think that's a three-part question. I do believe that within the agency, MST is seen as quote-unquote, the planners, okay? We, we put a lot of time and energy in MST into making sure that anything that we do, any interventions, any anything in that realm is really planned ahead and loopholes are plugged and we predict ahead for barriers to ensure that those interventions are going to work, you know, the first time. Really, the last thing we would want to do is put an intervention in place and then it fail because a lot of clients and people in the community really don't need that. They've been through that and really that's how I think that we're set apart. And really people within the agency see that because we are working in an ecological model, I think we're seen as being able to be supportive to others. So this is Steve, and I work in the direct service therapy role in MST, and I can say from my own experience, one of the ways that MST has impacted me is through that very structured and very intense supervision and quality assurance portion of the model. One of the things it's done is really helped me to stay accountable to keeping to best practices. 
and to not drift away as much. There's a lot of uh, freedom in MST, but there's also a lot of oversight and a lot of opportunities for course correction. So I can walk into a client's home and be confident that what I'm doing with them that day is in line with what we as social workers know is going to help that family the most. I always have that guidance, I always have that support, I always have that opportunity I'm on a regular basis to ask myself, am I really doing my best for this family? I think another way that MST has influenced the agency at, at a more macro agency level is in taking that ecological approach, that core social work idea that you know we don't just focus on the individual, we focus on everything around the individual, and that carries over into our administrative work. One of the things I see in my supervisors and administrators is that we really do apply that systems level approach to ourselves as well. So in my clinical development plan, in my individual supervision, my group supervision, I see my supervisors and my consultants and the various program managers asking those questions about what's going on at multiple levels that's either helping me or hindering me from doing my job to the best of my ability. And so we find that the agency as well, at least with an MST, really does a great job of supporting the direct service providers, at least that's my experience, because of the way that MST helps us to think through those various levels of our work. Thanks, Steve. When I hear ideas about supervision being improved based on the therapist adherence measurements, and when I hear that plans are set in place beforehand and you feel confident going into the home, one of the first things that comes to mind is self-care and helping to reduce burnout and how when workers are having effective supervision, it's found to create healthier work environments that can have longevity rather than burning through workers. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, and I, I think one of the things I would say is that we're not given the opportunity to burn out. Mm-hmm. Because we're constantly interacting with our supervisors in very focused, structured ways, speaking from my own experience at least, there are many opportunities during the week for checking in to make sure that we're doing okay and identifying those barriers to our own work, including the not taking care of ourselves barriers. There have been many opportunities to to address that and to really think through what those problems might be before they become problems. Great, thanks Steve. Our next question has to do with stakeholders. First, could one of you explain what a stakeholder is, what a community stakeholder is, and then what impact has MST had on the agency's relationships with community stakeholders within Western New York? This is Erin. When we talk about stakeholders, really what that means is a couple of different things. One is MST's referral source, so somebody who sends us referrals. And really, that can be probation. In some counties, that can be schools. It can be a self-referral. So really, we look at, again, anyone in the ecology as a possible community stakeholder because that is where we get our referrals from. The other piece to that is, and it really goes back to the mission and vision statement, MST's motto is whatever it takes. And really what that means is partnering with those within the community to really ensure, again, the client is getting the services that they need, and also to ensure that those stakeholders are feeling supported in the process that MST has. So we really work hard to build engagement with those stakeholders, really look at 
those outcomes and what has worked and what hasn't worked and really, again, to stay cutting edge, really to make sure that we're attending to those loopholes or barriers and also highlighting how do we lever strengths as a way to problem solve through those. That's amazing because there are so many different systems involved and the idea that MST looks to create support not just for the families but for probation officers and educators and parents and pulling strengths, it sounds very solution-focused and that you're not looking to point the finger as to who might be at fault for an adolescent's behavior, but rather, like you said, pulling strengths and just looking for the best outcome for each of the systems involved. That's really amazing. Stephen, moving over to you, why should social workers and other mental health and human service professionals be interested in MST? Well, I think there are three main reasons uh, for that, for why people should be interested in MST. Um, One is the intensely personal nature of the work. Um, You know, I think a lot of social workers I know, when you ask them why they become social workers, it's because they care about people, they care about social justice, they care about being able to give back to their communities. And one of the the big things about MST is that it gives us a phenomenal opportunity to really build those human relationships and which in turn helps build the therapeutic relationships with people and the families and the systems that we serve. We have relatively small caseloads, so the average caseload at our agency is about four to six cases, four to six families. And we meet in the home, we meet in the community. So we go to where families are and we meet intensely two to three times a week on average for three to five months. So we have the opportunity to really get to know the family as a family, not just as clients. You know, last December I was in a family's home one evening where their daughters were home for Christmas for the week and so I got to meet their extended family. They brought out a tray of Christmas cookies and we got to sit and have that therapeutic work um, but in that very comfortable home type environment and I get, you get to see people not just the good, but you also get to see, you know, when I have a, a teenager who's aggressive, you know, sometimes I'm in the room when they're, they start screaming at mom. Um, so we get that really personal view of the families, all those things that are essential to that therapeutic relationship and treating them as full, complete human beings. A lot of opportunities for that. Mm-hmm. Another aspect of MST that I think is very appealing is the outcomes. MST Services, which manages the main model, they do a lot of research, a lot of the quality assurance, a lot of the follow-up, and have shown consistently over the years that MST gets really great results. I think that's an an ethical side of, of the work. You know, we can't just make things up. We need to do what we know will best serve our families. In MST, we get that data, and so we can say with confidence, yeah, you know, this is a good model. Third, A lot of people think of evidence-based models and they think, you know, these very tight manual scripts, um, you know, cookie-cutter recipes. And while MST is an evidence-based model, there is a lot of versatility, there's a lot of independence, and there's a lot of room for creativity. So what's really structured in MST is what we call our analytic process, process for case conceptualization and assessment and intervention planning and and so forth. But within that process, there's huge room for creativity. 
and a lot of room for collaborating with our families and with the various stakeholders in their lives to really adapt and to tailor things to that family. There is no, this is the way that MST does things. It's all about, okay, this is how we figure out what we can do to best help the family. And that's what's evidence-based and that's what's structured. But within that, we use interventions that are, of course, known to work and known to be effective. But how we implement them, how we adapt them to the family's individual lives, there's a huge range of creative solutions that we can play with and do. So those, I think, are some of the reasons why people should really take MST to heart. This is Aaron. Just to add to what Steve was talking about with the different interventions and creativity within the model is we're able to pull in more than just one practice of evidence-based work. We utilize ecological theory and we pull in structural and strategic family therapy as needed as well as some pieces of motivational interviewing, cognitive behavioral therapy and behavior modification, as well as some solution-focused trauma-informed principles and interventions. Great, thank you. You talked about evidence-based work, you talked about being with the family involved in the lives of the family. So how does MST fit with the ethics, values, and mission of the social work profession? This is Steve. And I think one of the things that most comes to mind for me are the principles from the NASW Code of Ethics is promoting the dignity and the worth of the, of the person. The, the Code of Ethics, one of the principles reads, social workers promote clients' socially responsible self-determination. Social workers seek to enhance clients' capacity and opportunity to change and to address their own needs. And that, I think, is a wonderful description of the overall goals of MST as well. We work with vulnerable populations. We work with families, with adolescents who are at the highest level of risk of placement in foster care or placement in the criminal justice system. And our main goal is to really help them to stabilize their families, to stabilize their lives, and to build the stronger and healthier relationships with their kids, with extended family, with schools, with the criminal justice system, and so forth. Um, you know, two of the main principles, practice principles for MST are um, generalization. So we really look at what we're doing and how we can take what we're doing on one day um, in treatment and how that can generalize to other areas of their lives. So if we're looking at how they can build better relationships between the parents and the school systems, like, okay, well, how can we take those same skills and apply them to build better relationships between the parents and the grandparents, for example? So we're always looking to generalize what we do to create that maximum impact. And as Aaron and Jess have said, we really do place a lot of emphasis on supporting the family and really letting the family take ownership of the work that they're doing. And we're also community-based. You know, we're working in the natural ecologies and embrace that social ecological systems model as well as community causal models for delinquency and substance use, which uh, I think we mentioned are really at core social work ideas. It's not just the individual, but the person in the environment. It's also very highly individualized, as we said. And one of the great things I found about working at Catholic Charities MST is that we're entirely funded by outside funding sources so we don't have to charge our individual clients for these services which has meant that 
we're able to offer our services and work with families who could not afford these services otherwise. I've worked with a number of families who they either don't have insurance or their insurance doesn't cover what they need, and they've come and told me that MST is the only one that they were actually able to work with because they didn't have to pay for it. So thinking about the values of serving the most vulnerable service to the poor, I find that we really do a great job of living those values. The greater values of social justice as well. You know, a big part of what MST is about is helping teenagers to escape that school-to-prison pipeline, to produce the changes in the behavior that can lead them on a different track, keep them out of the criminal justice system. So we do a lot to try to address some of those structural inequalities as well. And so I think those are some of the main ways that we really fit. MST fits very well with the ethics and values of the profession. This is Aaron. To add to what Steve is saying, I think there are other pieces of the social work profession as well. And when I think about why I got into this job and what you hear from most people is the reason that they're in this profession is to help people. And I think what's so great about MST is that by the end of treatment, because our, our effectiveness is so high, you're really able to partner with the families and walk alongside the families when they're having these big changes. And that's really where the reward comes from. You're able to see these changes and you know that the family is going to be able to carry them out long term. And that's really satisfying. And that's a lot of the reason why, why most of us stay in this position is because we get to see so much change so quickly. It really becomes fascinating to be able to develop these close personal relationships, these close therapeutic relationships with the clients. We are out to see these clients two to three times a week, so we become a staple in their households. We're there for birthdays, we're there for funerals, we're there for sicknesses. We're there to support the families through those things and really keep them in the lead around problem solving and making it through daily life struggles to really work on their goals for their children. So I feel like Another way that we add to the profession is just those therapeutic relationships and being able to do those pieces that we got into the field for. Great. Thank you, Erin. How does MST embody the principles of trauma-informed care? You had mentioned that earlier. Yeah, uh, this is Steve. So one of the biggest things that I find with MST is we have a heavy focus on safety, both in terms of those we serve and for us as therapists. In terms of those that we serve, in our planning, in our prioritization, in our work, highest risk behaviors, safety issues are always prioritized first. Those are always the first things that we address and we carry that safety throughout the entire course of treatment. So anytime there's a safety risk, it always gets to the top of the to-do list. And in terms of safety for the therapists and for the people providing MST, we have a lot in place. We have many, many levels of check-ins. Whenever we're out in the community, there are always a couple of people at least who know exactly where we are, exactly when we expect to be done. We have a phone system for checking in at 24 hours a day. There's always someone who we can check in with who knows where we are and, and what we're doing and they will follow up if they don't hear from us. We do safety assessments for the home before we go out. If we don't have that safety assessment done, which is done both with the family and with referral sources, we go out in pairs as teams so that there's always multiple eyes looking out for our safety. That really does a lot to promote our safety. 
This is Erin. I'm going to add in a little bit on that. While we go as MST therapists and supervisors into the community, and as social workers out in the community, there's always a risk of safety issues popping up. But what is so fascinating and something that I've learned over the years is when we go out to see the families multiple times per week, really people within the communities get to know us, get to see us as being helpful for the families. And really safety risk decreases, and that's something that's really fascinating to be part of over time, that we're known to people within the community, to neighbors, to to friends, to family, to bus drivers, start to, to become known as somebody that's helping the family. You know, they don't know exactly how we're helping the family, but they know that we're helping because things seem to be a little bit better right around their household. So I think that it's important to also note that while safety is always in the forefront of our minds, really we almost have some support from people in the community to keep us safe as well. And that contributes to their trust in us. So another principle of trauma-informed care is a trustworthiness. In building that relationship and that high level of engagement and those close personal connections with the people and communities we serve, they really know what to expect from us. They get to see the MST whatever it takes attitude and they know that they can count on us. I mean, it's something that I've seen in cases at the beginning where clients are appropriately wary, like, who is this person coming into my living room? And towards the end, you know, they're, they're calling us, they're, they're really engaged and really working with us. I and mean, that shows, I think, a high degree of trust. The quality assurance system, all those levels of oversight and supervision also helps because in minimizing the drift, it helps to keep us consistent, it helps us to keep us clear on what we're doing so we can have that conversation. We can talk with the families we work with about what we're doing and why, and there really aren't any surprises for them. So they know there's that transparency, they know there's that consistency in our work, and that really helps with building that trust. It also helps with the elements of choice and collaboration. And spending all the time that we do building engagement and tailoring our interventions, we really do help the clients and their families to figure out what works for them. If it's not going to work for them, if we raise an idea or we discuss an idea and they're like, that's not going to work for my kid, okay, okay. so what will work? You know, What are you willing to do? and really to to help them figure out what is going to be best in their individual context. Really, I think MST, we're really less of the authorities and we're more of coaches, where we come in and we have those few hours a week where we do our coaching and we work through the problems and skill building and then families go out and they do their work. We're not the powers on high saying this is how you should do it. We're really with them, helping them to decide. And I would have to add to that too. I think another thing that's so great about how we build trust and how we build relationships, again, engagement is its a huge piece of the model. It's all the way around the entire model. Really, what's fascinating coming from being a therapist for many years to being a supervisor for many years is that therapists can utilize their personalities in a really fun way with the clients. I mean, when we walk into clients' houses, it's never, here's the model, let's, let's get to work. It really is building that therapeutic relationship and, and being who you are as a social worker, being who you are with your personality. Determining that can take years, but I think that's what really sets us aside. And I think for our clients, that's very empowering. As we've mentioned, MST is a very short-term service. Three to five months is the length of service, and so 
we really need to focus on producing that rapid and sustainable change. It does no good if we go into the home, we help them to make some changes, we leave, and then everything falls apart. So we focus a lot of our work on figuring out what the barriers to sustainability are and helping the families to really take down those barriers and to overcome them so that they can continue doing their work. Part of this idea that we're really more the coaches than the authorities is that most of the work in MST is done by the caregivers when we're not in the room. We're helping them to carry forward this work and really take ownership of it. I find an extremely empowering model because we're aware that we come with an expiration date. Three months from now, my caseload will be completely turned over and the families that I'm working with now will be the ones with the power to continue things and hopefully have the skills to be able to continue to adapt and to change and to roll with their kids as they go along. So while we help them to develop plans, um, and we leave them with sustainability plans, which lay out everything that we've done, everything that's worked, things to remember to make sure it works. We, we really are focused more on giving them the tools and the knowledge and the skills to be able to not need us anymore. So that last principle of trauma-informed care, that empowerment, is a part of everything that we do from day one. This is Erin. I think what Steve is saying is really important, and, and just to carry that a little bit forward, not only do we follow those trauma-informed and solution-focused principles within the realm of key participants within the community and the households and clients we work with, but it's also something that you'll see in the office environment as well with team members. Teams are three to four therapists per team with a supervisor. And really, those principles are really carried out throughout the team. There's a lot of trust that's developed within that close-knit team. And really, teams focus on positivity and, and problem-solving rather than getting stuck in some of the barriers that you find in the social work field. So I think it's pretty fascinating that the office environment itself lends to these solution-focused principles and trauma-informed principles. And how wonderful that is, because as social workers, we can't be expected to know how to do everything. It's just that idea that you, you have a team, you have a collaborative effort in order to benefit the client. Given our current professional context, we have a growing emphasis on office-based individual practice. What does it mean to you to serve clients in their natural environment, and how do you think this affects the services? I think we've answered a lot of that already about meeting the client where they're at and going to see them where they are and, and the engagement with the stakeholders within the community. But I think something that's really satisfying with the position is the success stories. Because we are 85 to 90 percent effective, you get to see those success stories more often than not. A lot of times when you talk with school in the community or you talk with a judge or you talk with somebody that is working at probation, they usually say, oh, MST, that's a great program, that works. We got to see a lot of changes. So it's really, really great to be part of something that's bigger than us, so to speak. And thinking about those success stories, being in the community, part of that historic root of social work is being out in the community, getting your hands dirty and being in the thick of it. I mentioned before that we really see the, the problem behaviors in the home, but we also see the changes. And we don't just get the reports of that, we see it. I'm thinking of right now one case where I had 
you know, mother and daughter, and when I walked in the door the first time, they, they literally could not say 10 words to each other without starting to get into a fight. And a couple months later, I walk in and we're sitting on the couch and they're sitting together under a blanket joking and, and it was a complete, a complete turnaround in their relationship that I was able to see. So we don't just get the reports of the success, we get to be present and to, to share in that. And I think that's something that helps to sustain me. You know, you mentioned self-care, helps me to, to stay grounded in the work that I do. You've talked a little bit about flexibility earlier on. How does the model allow for flexibility in meeting the individual client's needs? This is Jess. As an MSD therapist, we're not working traditional hours. We're not here from 9 in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We meet at all different hours. We also provide an on-call service for our families that's available 24 hours a day. We rotate a phone that a therapist will be on call. And if it's at 9 o'clock, midnight, and a client needs to call to help problem solve in the moment and get that support that they need to just carry on to the next day when their therapist is available, they can call that number at any time. And the on-call therapist is really good about then telling the therapist that works with the family updates so then that therapist can then come to a next session ready with next steps to help support the family. Great. Thank you so much. Before we close, was there anything that I didn't ask that you thought would be beneficial for our listeners or anything that we missed? This is Steve. One of the things that I've found, especially as someone who's relatively young in his clinical career, one of the great advantages of MST for someone who is is not as seasoned a therapist is that all of the structure, all of the support, all of the supervision has really helped me to grow as a clinician very quickly. There's a lot of support from the team and from the agency that has really helped me to be my best. That is something that's built into MST. Something, what I said is MST really takes a lot of those social work best practices and systematizes it to make it that much easier for you to be your best. And I think that is one of the reasons why we get the results that we do. Thanks, Stephen. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, each of you, for your time. We really appreciate it. You have been listening to a discussion on multisystemic therapy with our guests, Dr. Stephen Halliday, Aaron DeWolf, and Jessica Bonzar. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Charles Sims. Please join us again at In Social Work. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our online and on-the-ground degree in continuing education programs, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. And while you're there, check out our Technology and Social Work Resource Center. You'll find it under the Community Resources menu.